Are you a part of the silent majority or are you a part of the vocal minority? This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at one of my new favorite podcasts, The Vocal Minority Report. I was super excited to be a guest on episode 118 and spent almost an hour talking with MC about BGN, the platform, and our reach. Listen to our episode 118, the nerd season of The Vocal Minority Report. Follow him on SoundCloud at The Vocal Minority, go to iTunes, The Vocal Minority Report, and subscribe. Leave a rating and review. It's kind of like Tavis Smiley meets Mark Marin. Add a little Terry Gross and sprinkle in some of your favorite morning show. Topical, irreverent, engaging, and informative. You'll love the Vocal Minority Report. This is Francesca Ramsey, but everyone online knows me as Cheska Lee, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and it's dope. This is Ben Jones with Yes We Code. You are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Amanda Seals, comedian, writer, and creator of Get Your Life, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Khaleesi! Hey, it's Debbie Clown Bell, host of the CNN show United Shades of America, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Regis on Page. I play Chicken George in Roots, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Episode 83 of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I am your host. This episode is titled Anika Noni Rose, Idris Elba, and Tommy Davidson. That's right, it's the name of our guests on each respective segment. But before we go into the podcast, I just want to say thank you with tons and tons of gratitude. For everyone that was so hospitable and accommodating over at San Diego Comic Con. And just want to give some shout outs to the great folks over at the Nerds of Color, Keith Chow and the team, as well as Arturo Garcia and the team over at Racialicious for putting on a really great, spectacular meetup that occurred on Friday evening. So lots and lots of folks came out to support, met 
so many people that I've been tweeting with on here for years in person. So check us out on our Twitter page. There's lots of photos there. And also you can check out our Facebook page. There's tons of photos on there from the meetup as well as Comic-Con. There are going to be some interviews that we did over at Comic-Con that will be in BGM podcast extra segments throughout the week. So be sure to tune in to iTunes and Stitcher Radio as well as SoundCloud for those latest updates. So for our first segment, we invite Anika Noni Rose. Anika, you know her best from animated films like Princess and the Frog. Also, she is currently on the show Power, and she's also had work on Broadway. And recently, she had a very stunning performance as Kizzy Kinte in the Roots Reimagined series. So she finally comes by on BGN. We've been trying to get her for a while and talks to us about her work in the industry. And it's a very emotional and heartfelt and inspiring interview. In our second segment, we have Idris Elba. So let's backtrack a little bit. Idris Elba came onto the podcast by way of Twitter, and Twitter was very involved in this. I put out a random casual tweet that I've never messaged Idris Elba, and Twitter encouraged me that I need to do it. So I went ahead, sent him a message, asked him if he wants to be on the podcast, and he actually replied and said yes. Well, lo and behold, I did not know that he was going to Comic-Con. He had mentioned that, and we were also attending Comic-Con, so... When I flew out to San Diego, met with Idris in person, and we did a one-on-one interview. He was in town to promote his new film, Star Trek Beyond, where he plays Crawl. So this is actually ripped from a video. If you wish to see the video of this interview, you can go to our YouTube channel. And the best way to get there is by way of this URL. It's blackgirlnerds.com forward slash BGNTV. Again, it's blackgirlnerds.com forward slash BGNTV. BGN TV and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We definitely want to get your support in that area so we can get more videos up and produce lots of great content for you. In our third segment, we interview Tommy Davidson. Tommy Davidson, you know him best from In Living Color, Strictly Business. He's done tons of films and he is currently in the Sharknado franchise. So he does a one-on-one with KB and talks about his role on that as well as how he got into comedy. And in our first segment with Anika Noni Rose, it is co-hosted by Karan and Tora. This is a fully star-studded episode, as you can tell, and very exciting for us, definitely bringing us to the next level of guests and podcasting, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Please leave your comments on SoundCloud. Please give us a rating on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Leave us comments there. Let us know how you feel about this podcast, what you think about these episodes. What do you think about the guests? Your feedback is always appreciated. And feel free to always use the hashtag BGM podcast on Twitter. And you can let us know what you think on that social network. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 83, Anika Noni Rose, Idris Elba, and Tommy Davidson.
Anika Noni Rose is a singer and an actress known for her Tony Award winning performance in the Broadway production of Caroline or Change. Also, she's known for her starring role in the 2006 film Dreamgirls, as well as being the first black Disney princess in the animated film The Princess and the Frog. And in 2011, she was named a Disney legend. She's currently starring in the Stars TV show Power, and she has the rights to the book adaptation of Daniel Jose Older's Shadow Shaper and Half Resurrection Blues. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so honored and pleased that we finally have this guest on our show. She's a big fan of Black Girl Nerds. We're big fans of hers. We have Anika Noni Rose, an actress and a singer. She's appeared in theater in shows such as Caroline or Change, as well as animated films such as The Princess and the Frog, and on TV shows like the Reimagine Root series. And she's appearing on Power, coming up on Stars. Anika Noni Rose, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Yay! I'm so happy! <laughs> when I was on Twitter and I realized that somebody was representing Black Girl Nerddom, I was like, well, who made this just for me? So <laughs> I'm really happy to be a part of it. Because, you know, I celebrate nerddom all the time. You know, I think that there is a, um, there's a thing in our community that people aren't really supported when they're really nerdy. Like, it's something that takes them out of out culturally somehow that's the stereotype mm -hmm. of it so i think that i think particularly for young children we need to celebrate nerd them all the time um i think there's a little better than being having having your nose stuck in a book so i'm really i'm really pleased that you guys exist that's so encouraging to hear that and that you embrace that that identity of, of being a nerd so thank you so much for sharing that with us we appreciate it indeed and we have our lovely co-hosts, Tora and Karan, with us. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so, Anika, you are appearing in a multi-story arc on the hit star show, Power. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as Laverne Thomas? Yes. I am uh, Officer Laverne Thomas, also known as Jukebox. Um, she is very New York. She is uh, very alpha. She grew up in the same neighborhood with uh, Kanan and so was around at the same time as Kanan and, and, um, and Ghost. Um, she is um, very smart, um, you know, balancing her personal life and her police officer life, which are two different things, two different places, um, in a way uh, that is, uh, I would say, extraordinarily malleable. Um, and she's very uh, interesting to me as an actor and a person, and I love her. <laughs> Well, I, I have a feeling we're definitely going to be embracing her because a lot of the characters you play are characters that are so iconic to us. One in particular was your compelling performance in the Reimagine Roots miniseries as Kizzy Kente. 
Kizzy Kunte, I should say. How did you prep for the role? And what did you learn the most about yourself while filming? Oh, my goodness. I, I did a lot of reading, uh, a lot of slave narratives that I read. Um, I visited the Whitney Plantation, uh, which is outside of New Orleans, which is the only uh, plantation and slave museum dedicated to telling the story of slavery from the enslaved people's point of view. Um, and it is an amazing place that I suggest everyone go to if they have the opportunity. Um, I listened to a lot of slave narratives uh, from the Library of Congress and the uh, the work the work program that they had in like the 1930s where they interviewed a lot of um, people who had been enslaved, which was really, really informative, not just with um, factual information about day-to-day things, but also just listening to the rhythms of people who lived near the area that Kizzy was brought up in. It was, it was, a, it was extraordinary to hear these voices, um, as opposed to reading a book and seeing a dialect written and thinking that this is how people sounded, and when in fact some people sound very different from the way the dialects are written. Um, so that was all great and harrowing in equal measure. Um, and, um, you know, we did, we filmed on an actual plantation. Um, there's not a lot of comfort involved. And I think that that was a very good thing because, you know, you can always holler cut and and get some air conditioning if you need to, but sometimes we couldn't. And, um, and I think that was probably very helpful to what we were doing. Um, I learned, I don't know, you know, I, I think that Part of what I learned was stuff that we already know, but the extremes of which you don't have detailed information and stuff that you wish you could forget. Other things that I learned were day-to-day life things, like, you know, when you think that you can't do something, when you're like, you've reached the end of your rope and you just can't. And, you know, that's the thing that we say now anyway, oh, I can't. But mm-hmm. you can. <laughs> you can um you actually can um because when you think about what these people endured and persevered through there's no way you could wake up in the morning and say oh i can't do whatever it is um and that's something to really take with me and to hold on to and try to keep in my mind as long as possible not let it to let it fade away because i think that we you know we're living in a very crazy time right now, some very intense and harrowing things happening that I think uh, societally spin directly from this time of slavery and uh, how we as uh, Americans were introduced to each other. But we also are living in a time where stuff is amazingly easy. Like you don't have to open an encyclopedia because you have a tiny computer in your pants pocket. So (laughs) those are things that it's important to remember how lucky we are, how blessed we are, how easy we do have it when we feel overwhelmed and undone and overwrought and at that place of can't. Fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) So you're such an awe-inspiring actress and you've played roles that have, you know, really spoken to so many experiences that 
um, women, especially African-American women, have, have had to deal with. And I always wondered, where do you draw the passion from that you imbue your roles with? You know, I try not to choose roles that I'm not passionate about. And it allows me to go in it, into it, and be faithful to my work ethic and, and the integrity of the art that I want to represent. I think that when we choose things that we're not passionate about, it shows in your work. Now, whether or not the average person can see it is, I don't know. I think people can generally see when you're not into something, even if you're going through all of the beats and stepping on all of the right numbers. Um, but even if people can't feel it, see it, I can feel it, and that's not fulfilling. So I like to choose things that are going to fulfill me, uh, fulfill the integrity of my art, fulfill my spirit, um, take me somewhere new and different, um, allow me to explore um, in a way that I'm very lucky to do as an actor. You know, if regular people walk around with new personalities, they, they don't find themselves in a very close room. I <laughs> am able to make a living <laughs> taking on different personalities all the time. And I think that that to me is very interesting, the psychology of a person's mindset and what moves them to do things that they do and make the choices that we make. Whether we think that person is inherently good or bad, I can't make that judgment as an actor. What I have to do is find the why of what they do and put that in motion. Because I don't think that most people think that they are bad, if, if even if the outside world thinks that they do. So my job is to find the impetus and the seed of what moves that person. And I find that extraordinarily uh, interesting and challenging. So I always try to choose somebody that I'm passionate about. And there have been times where I haven't, or haven't been able to or I've been wrong maybe about what the experience was going to be. But for the most part, I think I've been really, really lucky in the path um, that I've been able to walk professionally. Wow. So you have this dynamic career and you're absolutely breathtaking everywhere, but I wonder where do you feel most comfortable on the big screen or on the Broadway stage? Oh, I really love them both. <laughs> I really love them both, but I, you know, stage is home for me. Um, so I will never not go back to stage. Um, it is the place where I think we are challenged the most as, as actors because you don't get another take because you, there is no prosthetic for the most part helping you out. Everything that happens really happens in that moment and it is your job to live in it. And if you don't, it is immediately noticeable. Um, that challenge and and also the immediate gratification of feeling what you are doing and how it affects the people taking the journey with you on the other side of the stage is so thoroughly fulfilling and exhausting and um special um that i would absolutely never ever give that up so i feel very comfortable both places but it's, you know, it's like you feel really good in a beautiful hotel and it's fantastic and the room service is great and you're having these amazing experiences and then you get home and you're like, oh, I'm home. That's theater to me. Yeah. I love that analogy. <laughs> 
Anika, one of my favorite roles you've played was on Private Practice, where you so intensely told the story of a woman's journey with mental illness. What did that role teach you? And are you involved in any, any initiatives for mental health awareness? I'm not involved in, in any initiatives. I have a charity that assists uh, young people with um, mental disabilities or mental challenges in Hartford, Connecticut, um, that I started in my grandmother's name. Um, it's called the Coralie Bentley Radcliffe uh, Foundation. Ultimately, I want to turn it into something that assists in bringing the arts to, to children who are dealing with different mental facilities, faculties. Um, but right now it just assists any young person who um, is differently abled and needs assistance somehow in that way. And the, um, oh gosh, the Hartford Foundation of Giving is actually in charge of how that's dispersed. Um, so I'm always hoping that somebody is going to give um, give funding to that and assist it and keep it going because it's hard to keep it going out of my own pocket, but <laughs> that's what I try to do. Um, but I do think that in particular within the black community, there is a great stigma about mental health. And I know a lot of people who suffer from mental health issues, whether it's bipolar or just plain old everyday break you down depression. Um, these are things that we don't want to talk about and that are laced in shame. And the reality is that all of us are affected in some way by it, whether it's something that we live with in our own personal everyday living or it's a parent or a cousin or a loved one somehow, it affects us. And if we don't, treat it as you would when you talk about the fact that you have a migraine. Now, you don't have to tell everybody your business, but there's, we need to take away the stigma because the stigma behind it keeps people from wanting to get help and also keeps people from supporting mm -hmm. people when they get to a place that they do want to get help. You know, we have a thing, I think, in the community where we're like, oh, no, we don't need therapy. We just persevere. Um, you know, we never had therapy. We made it through this, that, and the other. Well, you know, just because you've never had something doesn't mean you don't need it um, or you can't benefit from it. It doesn't mean that you are stark raving mad and unsavable and not worth sitting next to you on the train because you went and took the same amount of care for your mind as you would for your body. Mm. You spend all this time in the gym and nobody's ashamed of that. So why should we not take as much care for our minds and our mental acuity? Um, so it was very important to me to do that role for the people in my life that I know suffer with um, bipolar and other diseases. And some people would say, oh, it's not suffering, you know, we get very PC about it. But having seen people go through episodes, I know that when an episode is happening, it is absolutely suffering. Yes. It's not somebody who lives in a place of suffering, but when things are off balance chemically, because that's what it is, mm -hmm. it's not that you've made a choice to, to, to have your mind run a hundred miles an hour and be up for three days and not wash and uh, be angry and be overtly sexual. It's not a choice that you make. It is a chemical issue that is going on. And when that is happening, it is a suffering. And whether you are suffering in that moment 
or you get through your episode and you get to the other side and you realize the pain that you have inflicted on not only the people around you, but on your own personal life, things that you have done to yourself that you had no idea were happening at the time, or you knew that were happening, but you didn't have the ability to pull yourself out of that space that is a place of suffering. And I think that we all have the right, the ability, and the necessity to allow ourselves relief from the times where we are suffering. And to say, to speak to somebody who understands what it is that you're going through and isn't just going to say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is crazy. Because crazy is a blanket statement. Mm. So-and-so mm. is suffering. Ooh, you better preach, Princess Tiana. Yes. I'm loving her, like, holding back tears. <laughs> you know, it was very wow. important for me. I think a lot of people suffer from depression and don't even realize mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, they're like, oh, God, I just don't feel like getting out of bed. Well, you haven't felt like getting out of the bed for the month of June. Say it. Say- oh, something's going oh, on there. Oh, I just have a headache. I've had a headache every day. Depression is not just not feeling like getting out of the bed. And it manifests itself physically in your body at some point because your body is screaming out for you to notice that something isn't right. That's right. And we must treat it, whether that's just a brain massage with therapy. And I shouldn't say just because that's a big thing. Or... Sometimes there are medicines that are needed. There is no shame in health care and health care goes beyond Tylenol and bodily bodily issues and ice and, and rest ice compression and elevation. It is so much deeper than that. And we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to ourselves as a community to be respectful of the treatment that somebody needs to get in there. But for the grace of God, mm. we can wake up tomorrow morning and not be able to get out of the bed for a reason we can't even fathom. Okay, so I like really love you more now. Um, <laughs> you are seriously like, I consider you my artistic godmother and you are my play cousin in my head. So <laughs> like, I, th- I think about us playing as children and stuff and- like I seriously I seriously picture us like in front of my mother's old wicker couch and like making up plays and stuff and playing church and stuff like we used to and you are so a part of the family I love like we used to as long as when I knock on the door somebody's ready to feed me yes I can take that in and receive it happily (laughs) so my, my other question to you is um because I think about us playing so much as kids, what is your hope for our young people through your work for and with them? Because oh, no. I'm going to tell you, Princess Tiana, my, my brown babies, you, you, you so, you're like multi-generational family at this point. <laughs> I just want you to know. You know, I want children to be able to grow up particularly brown children, to be able to grow up and look at themselves and know without question that they are worthy. Mm. Oh, I just got really teary. Um, Yeah, it's powerful. You know, and when I say worthy, I mean for whatever it is that they dream about at night, 
whatever little thing or huge thing it is that they want to strive for, it is very important for them to know that it is possible and they are capable and it is there for them as it is there for their peers and their schoolmates and their friends. That is extraordinarily important. And I feel so blessed to have had people in my life who never questioned what I wanted to do, even though no one else was doing what I wanted to do within my family. Um, that is a gift and a blessing. And I feel like um, whether or not we are somebody's mommy and daddy, we can give them the love of family and guidance um, if they are not getting it and give them the strength and steps to, to walk on when they don't know how to get where they're going. And so I hope seeing me, somebody who grew up in a very little town with a lot of cows and horses and grass, <laughs> Um, and seeing where I am, I never thought growing up that I was going to grow up to be somebody's princess, but I never thought I, I couldn't either. And I want that to be passed on. I want them not to be turning to their parents after the news at night and saying, daddy, am I going to get shot too? Mm. I want them to feel safe and secure and uh, viable and worthy. And I hope that, you know, I never tell people what they should get from some show that I've done or a role that I've played, but I hope in seeing me, that whatever role that I play that moves them however way, that it is something that moves something in them deeper than the desire to be a celebrity, um, but that moves them to a place of the, um, the ability to strive further than what they may think is the boundary of their world. I love you, girl. Uh, this, I mean, really, that's... And I'm and, a and serious you- one. <laughs> <laughs> and and you and Nika, you embodied that so perfectly yes. as the role of Tiana in The Princess and the Frog. Like so many young black girls needed to see that. And I know it has to be a huge honor um to be bestowed with the title of being the first black Disney princess. That that's gotta be very um just amazing and inspiring for you as an actor and a performer. It is amazing. And it really, you know, I have a place in the history of Americana that will never be removed. Yeah. And I, and I think that it means something directly to little brown girls and little brown boys, but it also means something to them indirectly in the way that it affects their peers. In the way that I received an Instagram from a little white girl in Spain in her homemade Tiana gown for her eighth birthday party because that was her favorite (laughs) princess. And you can't tell this child that she is not Princess Tiana. And what that does is allow her to look at some other little brown baby around her and see in her the possibility of royalty, of greatness, that she will never, that child won't have to put 
a yellow towel around their head in order to pretend to be the princess when they play. And it wouldn't even be expected. That to me is so deep. It's so deep. And the amount of children and parents who have come up to me who look nothing like me to tell me what that has meant to them means even more what it has meant to us and what it will mean to our children as time goes by, because that's how you change society. You touch a child, you touch them on the inside, you make them know that they can be everything. You let their classmates and friends know that everyone is worthy of of being considered royalty, that it's okay when we do the school play for so-and-so to be Hansel or Gretel, even though the book looked a certain way when you read it. It, it affects us all, and in affecting all of us, it, it, it lifts our children even more. Prepping for the next generation. You're teaching the babies, Anika. You're teaching the babies. <laughs> <laughs> but now let me say this. I will not always be playing somebody that you want your child to watch. Right. <laughs> what I, mean, I don't want people tweeting me talking about, you're Princess Tiana, you're not supposed to, because I'm an actor. And that means that I'm going to play somebody that you don't like at some point or somebody that you don't have respect for. But we have to know that everybody deserves to be represented on a screen because otherwise we are not representing real life. And it doesn't take away from who I am in the time of Princess Tiana, because my job is to represent humanity and humanity is not always pretty or nice. I appreciate that. I appreciate your you wanting to do that because I feel like so often black women are kind of forced to work within this idea of having to be respectable and, you know, play these specific parts that are respectable. So I appreciate that you want to branch out and be more. So I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Anika, thank you so, so much for coming on our show. Well, well, we're we're done. We <laughs> wait. We, we're done. <laughs> it didn't hurt too much, did it? <laughs> I, I can stay. I feel like such a sappy mushy mush. Like you all, you all shocked me today and took me to you know. This is not where I expected to go in our conversation. We we turned Barbara on you, didn't we? <laughs> This became a Barbara Walters interview for you. <laughs> My publicist real sweet tipped out the room and got tissues. Oh. <laughs> um, but I want to say, you know, I'm always open to you all. I'm always mm-hmm. excited and pleased to be a part of what it is that you're doing. And sometimes you can't reach me or it's difficult. And it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's that things are crazy and busy. But know that I'm really happy to see you on Twitter, I'm very happy for what you represent. And I feel like you are me in a way that people don't even know. Because I was the brainiac in school. Oh, she's a brainiac, she's a this, she's a that. And that was not cute or sexy or anything to be a nerd. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I celebrate nerddom. So I am, um, I'm so pleased that you exist. I'm so pleased that you are uh, holding up your your broken spine books <laughs> in the past. <laughs> in defiance of what we're supposed to be in unity of who we actually are. And uh, I thank you. you well, that warms my heart. Thank you. you so I love you. Yeah. 
Thank you so, so much. And before you go, can you just tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and also tell us about any future projects that you're working on? Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Anika Noni Rose. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Anika Around the World. You may find me on Facebook at Anika Noni Rose. Um, and I, as of now, run all of those platforms myself. So if I'm speaking to you, I'm actually speaking to you. Um, I, uh, I finished a a movie of the week for BET called The Yard, and that should be coming out, I guess, towards the end of the year or maybe early next year. Um, I don't know what else is going on. I'm about to take a vacation. Like I haven't had a vacation (laughs) for a year, so I'm going to take that, uh, as of next week. And I'm producing, you know, I own the rights to Daniel Jose Older's, uh, Half Resurrection Blues series. Yes, and the, the show. Yes, uh, and also Shadow Shaper. So I um, I have plans. I have plans that go beyond um, what my face is. I have plans that go beyond me. I don't feel like I have to be in everything in order to make art. And so I'm interested in making things that I'm not necessarily in, but things that move me and excite the people that I know around me so that we can have representation in many more uh, different styles um, than we than we often feel that we have. I'm interested in the art of the thing and um, in introducing people to who we know we are rather than what people want to push forward or think that we are. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, you have to come back. (laughs) I'll come back. (laughs) And I can't wait for my shirt. I'm so excited. Yes, (laughs) yes. It is on its way. Thank you so much for for waving your geek flag too and just being so embracing of of BGN. It's, It's really appreciated. And thank you again for coming on our show. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you, ladies. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Idris Elba is an English actor and a musician. He's known for playing Stringer Bell on the HBO series The Wire, also Detective John Luther on the BBC One series Luther, and Nelson Mandela in the biographical film Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. He's also appeared in films like Thor, Dark World, Pacific Rim, Beasts of No Nation, and currently he is starring as Krall in Star Trek Beyond. You can also catch him in future films such as The Dark Tower and the Pacific Rim sequel. In addition to his acting work, Elba's a DJ under the moniker DJ Big Driss or Big Driss the Londoner, as well as a hip-hop soul musician. In 2016, he was named in the Time 100 list of the most influential people in the world. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Nerds. And congratulations on your Emmy nomination for Luther. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so, so I wanted to talk about Star Trek Beyond. Uh, you're playing Crawl, the main villain. When you're playing these villainous roles, because we know you're just from The Wire, when you're playing these villainous roles, do you look for like redeeming qualities in the character in order to kind of invest yourself? What's the process like for you? Um, I- not so much redeeming qualities, but you know, 
relatable qualities. You know, you know, evil is evil. We already know that. But but not everyone is born. No one's born evil. You know what I mean? Everyone's you know. There's, there's a human side to every character. Uh, there's a reason why the character is doing whatever they do, and, and I and I search for that reason. I search to try and pull out why, maybe not over philosophize it, but just humanize it, right. because I think that's what makes uh, more of a sort of 3D character. If you just play the bad guy and you just play a lot of anger, you you, you know you can you can lose the audience really quickly. Um, so I, I tend to go for characters, whether they're good or bad, but trying to find a way that makes them real, you know what I mean, like honest about what, whatever they are. I'm a nerd. Really? Okay, we're, we're going to talk about this. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> we're discussing this <laughs> Oh, really? So you actually read the articles on the site? Yeah, every now and again I'll definitely take a, a look. Um, the one you put up today was, uh, what's that? About, about business? John Lewis? About what? Uh, Congressman John Lewis? Yeah, it was titled The Business or something, Business Behind. I didn't read it, but okay, it was like, yeah. my interest, so I was going to check it out. Oh, okay. And I went onto your site and, you know, I checked you out a little oh bit. Oh, my God! Really good, Jamie. <laughs> I'm just perfect. And, really? and do you want to, yeah. so I, you're live now. Just yeah, we're live streaming, so we're good. All right, perfect. All right. <laughs> so, okay, so my second question is, um, you're playing the role of Roland Shane in the impending production of The Dark Tower. Uh-huh. And that's very exciting for all of us sci-fi geeks out there. Where were you when you found out that you got the part? How excited are you for Where was I? Uh, that's a good question. I don't even remember. Um, I was really excited, you know. Um, I'm a fan of Stephen King's, but I wasn't so much a fan of the books. I didn't know the oh. books, to be honest. And that, you know, I know the fans are like, what? But, <laughs> um, but I quickly sort of, you know, familiarized myself with the books and, and I realized that this is quite an iconic character um, and I, I, I mean I, I'm honestly honored to play the role it's a great role it's a great book series of books mm -hmm. um, and I think that the filmmakers you know have given justice to the to the to the books it right. uh, you know the truth is it, I can't say it is you know, um, exactly like the books. Okay. No, I think we, you know, I think we had to be a little bit creative liberties there, but uh, I think the fans will be hopefully, you know, satisfied by that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one thing that was really um, poignant with all of us is your very candid discussion about diversity in Hollywood mm -hmm. uh, with respect to the Oscar So White conversation. Uh, why do you think diversity in film and television is so important? I mean, it's, it's the future, isn't it? You know, um, we are who we consume. So, you know, when you look around the world, you know, the, the, the factions, black, white, male, female, that's all starting to merge together. And, you know, without a doubt, that's the beginnings of evolution. That's the process of our evolution, you know. Our children's children will probably have less of those divides. And so will entertainment. Um, so I think it's really important that us, uh, of this generation sort of lay the seeds down properly, you know, uh, let's lose the race card, let's lose the, you know, the, the, the gender divide and, and just make entertainment. I would be remiss if I did not mention the fact that you follow black girl nerds on Twitter, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, do you identify as a geek or a nerd? Definitely, yeah. I'm a nerd. Um, just a nerd, period, you know. Um, Growing up, I'm an only child, you know, and so anything that allowed me to sort of get deeper and deeper was what I, you know, I used to read the cereal boxes, you know what I'm saying, for little bits of clues of, you know, would they have a toy inside yeah. a cereal box? 
and then they have a little pamphlet or a little blurb on the box. I would read that to find out what kind of toy it is and what it was made of and so on. So, you know, my, my beginnings as a nerd was like, I think as, a, as an only child, that, that spiraled my imagination. And you know, only children have big imaginations because they have to play by themselves and they've got their toys and their toys become their best friends. And as a filmmaker now, um, you know, there's nothing better than my career to, to be a nerd in, you know what I mean? Because you can, because basically I'm recreating life, yeah. right? I'm recreating and characters. And you're in some of the nerdiest properties. <laughs> I mean, you're in the Thor movies, Dark Tower, you've got the Silver Run 2 coming out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, giving us a lot to consume. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm a nerd for sure. Awesome. And have you had a chance to enjoy the convention? Is this your first Comic Con? This is my second one. Actually, it might be my third one. I've been here yeah, a couple of times and I never really got a chance to um, get involved. So we're here today and today is, I think, the day before it actually kicks off. Right, right. preview night. Mm -hmm. So earlier on I just took a walk around and I was walking by the harbour and all that and I could see the festivities and everyone's super excited and people are just arriving. There's no crazy costumes yet but you know, right. the, the vibe's there. Wait till the next day, Thursday, uh, there'll be some. Wait. I can't <laughs> wait, so tomorrow I'm going to see some stuff. And of course tonight, you know, we opened Star Trek and um, I mean, it's a big deal. You know, the Trekkers are here, the Trekkies, Trekkers, they're all here yeah. doing a ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to show them the film. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you don't mind, whenever we have a guest on the show, we just ask them to state their name and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Okay, cool. My name is Idris Elba and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Awesome. Boom. Thank you Thank so you, much. Jeremy. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Awesome. Cheers. I can't right. believe you read the articles on my website. It's crazy. They're very good. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Twitter. Bye. All right, perfect. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. yeah. Thank well you done, so man. much. I'm so glad you made it happen. Too. Yes, I'm glad you just replied. <laughs> no, but, you know, you took the initiative to do it. I love that when people do that because that's great. That's how you move things along. Yeah. You can dream about it or just do it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And all of the followers on Twitter was like, "Just do it, Jamie. Just do it." And I was like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Thanks so are you coming me. tonight? Thank you. Yes, you I'm coming to the premiere. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tommy Davidson started his career as a stand-up comedian back in 1986. He's performed in a variety of comedy clubs throughout the Washington metropolitan region, Baltimore and Philadelphia, where he performed at the Comedy Store, where Robert Townsend heard of him and asked him to be a warm-up comic for an HBO special. Davidson's first major exposure was on the variety show In Living Color, where he played various characters, including impersonations of Sammy Davis Jr. and Sugar Ray Leonard. Davidson has also appeared in the films Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, Strictly Business, Booty Call, Joanna Man, and also known best for the voice of Oscar Proud in the Disney animated series The Proud Family. He is now currently starring in Sharknado for The Fourth Awakens. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and today I have a very special guest, a comedian and actor from In Living Color, Black Dynamite, Ace Ventura, and the upcoming Sharknado 4. Please welcome Tommy Davidson. Yay, thunderous <laughs> applause. <laughs> right. Tell our listeners briefly, did you grow up always wanting to be a comedian? No. 
I grew up wanting to be a singer. Yeah, I, I saw the Jackson 5 and my life was over. <laughs> I didn't we all? We were like, oh, this is exactly yeah, what we would have Yeah, been. that's it. I'm, 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 I'm in paradise. So then how did you get into comedy? A friend of mine, Howard, I'll never forget, called me one day and said, look, you're wasting your life. You really need to be a comedian. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're the funniest guy I ever met. And you need to get to work. And I'm like, okay, I think I could do it, you know? And I tried it, and it worked. And I have not stopped since. <laughs> wow, that's a really great friend. I mean, he's like, listen, if I yeah, think you're hilarious, yeah. the world will think you're hilarious. So go oh, ahead. Oh, that guy, my it. career. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Tell us a little bit more about Sharknado for The Fourth Awaken. So I know it premieres on July 31st. Can you tell us just a little bit more about your character, Aston, and what intrigued you about this role? Aston is like an Elon Musk character. Mm. He is a billionaire genius. And he finds a way with his technical savvy to basically eliminate the shark threat that is threatening now the whole thing of our existence. Oh, wow. He uses his money and his technology to basically save the day. He saves the day. You said it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, need that. <laughs> I hope that wasn't a spoiler because we definitely want everyone no, to feel no, it. You feel it. You feel it. Just tell us a little bit about the filming process in terms of what was your favorite on-set moment? Uh, probably when I faced uh, he, he is the shark guy, and I told him that I need his help. He had quit the shark game. He had enough, <laughs> and I convinced him to get back into it. And so you're the one that brings him out of retirement. I'm bring him out of retirement. <laughs> and gets him yeah. more involved with the sharks than ever before. Than ever before. Little <laughs> did he know. Right. Okay, so I am going to ask you, though, you know, what do you think that we will be surprised by in the film that you can share? Um, you'll be surprised at the fact that that uh, the black guy lives. <laughs> That's always a good thing, right? Yeah, he actually survives the whole onslaught. That is wonderful. That means if yeah, it's a Sharknado that 5. Means a lot. Yeah. That <laughs> means a lot to us, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And if there's a Sharknado 5, that means look. He can be back in yeah. action. <laughs> that means maybe I'll be back. Right, exactly. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you've had a great career. You've been in some of my favorite com- – I'm a huge In Living Color fan. I still watch the rerun. So, you know, you've been in some of my favorite comedy TV shows and movies. What would be, you know, your next ideal role? Um, as a black vampire in Southeast Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm determined to get back to Comic-Con, and I think that's the way I'm going to do it. What do you think? Yeah, I think you would be well-received at Comic-Con. Like, show up, yeah. be that black vampire yeah. in Miami. Be that black vampire, especially since he looks just like Lil Wayne. So <laughs> I, think that, I think that'll work. And you know, like, Wayne loves Miami, so this will be perfect. Like, you know, he'll be oh, yeah. exactly like Lil Wayne in the daytime. That's how exactly. he gets all his victims. Yeah. I yeah, love exactly. I <laughs> love it. Just go ahead and tell our listeners any upcoming, you know, additional projects or comedy tours that you have going on. Uh, yeah, I'm touring the country. So I'm in San Antonio next weekend. Then once I've done that, I'm going to be touring the world. 
Oh, wow. So I'll be going out uh, around the world doing comedy. You name it. St. Petersburg, Russia. Name it. You name it, I'm there. Okay, great. So what can your fans expect from this show that's going to be unique from your other comedy shows? I'm the best. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> that. You know how there's martial arts? Ooh. You know how people love martial arts, right? Yes. You say Bruce Lee, and that means martial arts, right? <laughs> right. Well, you say Tommy Davidson, that means comedy. How do you like that? Okay. Well, that's wonderful. That's that's all we need to know. That's right. <laughs> so comedy <laughs> is going to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful. So any other tidbits that you want to give about Sharknado 4 before its premiere date on July 31st? It's the next installment. It's going to lead to five. You can't see five unless you see four. So you know what to do. That's right. Everybody has to watch. That's right. Please just let everyone know where they can find you on the Internet. You know, what are your social media handles on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? The Real Tommy Cat on Instagram. On Facebook, capital letter Tommy Davidson. My whole website is TommyDavidson.net. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you. you You've got all my coordinates. Yep. Ready to just start internet stock following you, as the fans like to say. And that way we can keep up to date with all the projects and we can get, you know, a current tour schedule for the comedy show. Oh, you're smart. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I actually really enjoyed this. You know, everyone, of course, July 31st, get ready to watch Sharknado 4, The Forks Awaken. And good luck with everything and, and the tour. I'll be looking for some dates to see if I can come make a show. Thank you.
If I had to pick to stay in school or to dip, then I'ma do it like gay. 